Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby and this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, we talked penalties and more specifically Penenkas with the author of the finest book ever on penalties, Ben Littleton. Uh, and uh, he talks us through the techniques for making them look good. Uh, we had some uh, Clips of the Week pewter from back in 2010 with Mr Parry and others. And we had a lovely story from uh, Wales of a man who has unearthed an old, long-forgotten golf course designed by one of the world's most famous golf course designers. So uh, we hope you enjoy all that. Andy told us about his holiday plans. We had a chat about various other things, including a bit of football. And here it all is. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. And what's it like to have one hand on the Champions League trophy? <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. Every game is different, of course. Yeah, we cannot it, uh, judge it really game... on your Papa John squads. You both put your Papa John squads out, didn't you, really? <laughs> Definitely. Your, your first 11s. There was a lot of that. And also, uh, you know, if Aguero had scored, it, it was a different game mm. altogether. Um, I'm glad he didn't. <laughs> And yeah. uh, there's so much chat about the Penenka, but when that, that stat, the City have missed nine penalties in two seasons. Mm. You know, mm. So if I was Pep, I'd start looking at them. You yeah. don't think he looks away because he's superstitious. I wouldn't bother, mate. It's yeah. not working. Maybe then they could, I mean, not that they need any tips from us, but maybe then they could sort of work on them in training if he's actually watching them. Mm. Maybe he's got no idea they're missing them. <laughs> he gets so wrapped right. up in the game, it just doesn't register. Of course not. He watches them back afterwards. But if well-known beer companies did perfect football weekends for me, that would be it. I mean, yes. Everybody else lost, apart mm. from Liverpool, and Chelsea won a game they weren't expected to win. I thought, going into the weekend, I thought there's going to be two points across three or four teams yeah. by the by the end of it. And it turned out completely different, which was, was great. I mean, Leicester, first, uh, Leicester starting off with Leicester on Friday night, wasn't it? it was unbelievable strange. result. Yeah. What a strange result that was. You know, Maybe they're saving themselves for the final. But I'm, I'm mm. glad uh, Anthony Taylor won't be refereeing the Champions League final, or at least I wrote that at the start of the game. But having not given the uh, Zuma on Sterling, oh, one, yeah, 
That was a penalty, wasn't oh, it? Oh, not much. <laughs> yeah, how can you not? As it go in three times, how can you not give that as a penalty? A Even penalty, in real yeah, time, yeah. you thought that's a penalty. It's Mind a... you, you could say Sterling should have been sent off, so I suppose it, it's, it evened itself out. And Werner, once again, I mean, what a funny player he is. Mm. I mean, he set up the winner. It was a wonderful bit of play by him. Mm. And he affects mm. the game all the time. He's in the game all the time. But he's offside so mm. much. Mm. I decided on the weekend, you don't need VAR with Werner. They could all have a day off at Stockley Park. <laughs> There's no point. Just assume that's, he is offside. Have a year off I, at Stockley Park. I, I said, oh, that's right. Mm. I said to you, he doesn't play on the shoulder. He plays on the VAR's red line. <laughs> it's a really odd thing, but, you know, never mind. But even in your game, VAR, it's so affecting matches, isn't it? I yeah. mean, if Kane scores that goal, it's a different game, I think. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, my lot gave me another miserable weekend. It reminded me a lot of the Sheffield United game the season before. We also ended 3-1. It had that feel. And, it, you know, the, it wasn't probably a great idea of Eric Dyer to go on the record last week saying there is a negative narrative around the mistakes he makes in games and he thinks it's unfair than to go out on Saturday and defend like a drain. So it's, <laughs> yeah. it's never a great it's idea that. He said, I just you think it's a touch unfair, but then you do that. But when you look at Kane and Son's goals, if anybody else yeah. had those goals, then I wonder. Spurs, it's the only reason Spurs are up there, mm. and, and you can see clearly the problem. Uh, problems are in defence. Otherwise, yeah. you know, you got two players scoring what fifty-two goals or whatever it is. It's you know, it does need really. Yeah, there's a lot of players there that need to be moved on. Players that have been there too long. There's a, players like Eric Lamella. There's a sort of staleness to that squad. There was when Pochettino was there two years on. There's just this this sort of dank fetid staleness to the whole project you know the, the trouble is that the chairman is not someone who's going to go out and make a radical difference to the squad so I'm not particularly optimistic I've got to be honest but uh, yep um, it, we're going to have a good they have spent t- 210 million but of mm. course the net spend is only a, is 180 I think it's 180 yeah. net spend in recent years mm. but you know I'm not saying they haven't bought uh, players they're just not necessarily Given the them right what they needed, yeah. Um, yeah. We will be chatting to Motti about the uh, the weekend. We've still got a game to go. Fulham could join West Brom. We went down yesterday. We'll be chatting about West Brom yeah. in a few moments' time with the West Brom podcaster, Josh Bland. He heard Simon's thoughts earlier on whether they should keep Big Sam. He's worked with him. Uh, he says they should. We'll see what the Albion oh, fans I, think. I, I think they should, definitely. Mm. Uh, I noticed yesterday, I enjoyed the, uh, well, especially enjoyed the West Ham. Everton result but I enjoyed the game as well first half was such a brilliant game they couldn't even get the replays in there was so much action but I've noticed that Mikel Arteta uh, not Mikel Arteta Mikel Antonio I can't even read my own writing it's getting worse he's now he always used to do this thing where he'd hitch one leg of his Mm. shorts up Mm. and leave one down but now he does both of them rolled up. It's it's uh, it's quite a yeah. nice look, really, and uh, it's sort of all like an athlete's short. And uh, I've noticed that he actually had the shorts taken in to make them yeah. fit tighter. Mm. I know that because I've been watching the Great British Sewing Bee. Oh, I see. I know. <laughs> Is that right? You think he wears a tighter short? He wears a, he wears a medium. Yeah. I suppose it's, it's a bit Stuart Pearce. There's very few players you can think of. Stuart used to mm. roll the shorts up and accent, sort of accentuate the thighs, the thigh muscles, which, yeah. you know, you'd watch oh, him run. Tremendous. You watch him run. He's got it, tremendous legs. It's quite, it's quite a fearsome sight, isn't it, Stuart, showing a lot of thigh. And uh, I imagine mm. if you were a winger coming up against that, and you know you're going to get the full force of that, it would get into your head. And, of course, Stuart is at West Ham, so maybe he well, said... Well, Stuart's thighs in training against Mikel's thighs. Yeah, you know, I mean, that, what if they have a thigh off? Of the th- well, Oh, Stuart, we'll get a message to him. Does him and uh, Mikel Antonio have a bit of a thigh off in training? So, and, uh, Steve Holland, that was a strange shot. Did you notice that he was sitting in the mm. stand? He was there for Gareth watching the, the England players on show, and he was doing a kind of you know the thing you do like a sort of inadvertent V sign. 
He was sort of going like this. Oh, really? really, really, Yeah, it was really odd. I thought, you know, as if he knew the camera was on him, he was sending a message. I thought they'll use that during the European Championships as a meme. If England sort of win against the odds after everyone's written them off, you'll see that one of Steve Holland doing an inadvertent V Well, I'll look out for that, Andy. I'll go back and check it out. I missed it at the time. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Now, it's not often that a player apologises for uh, uh, taking a penalty in a certain style, but uh, that's the way that Sergio Aguero felt after his Panenka at the weekend went straight in a Mendy's hands. Uh, we rarely talk about Panenkas when they come off, um, generally when they're a bit of a disaster. But that's still a fascinating uh, topic. Joining us now, uh, the author of the definitive work on penalties, uh, 12 yards, it's Ben Littleton. Good afternoon, Ben. Hello, Paul. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, you're, in your book, you speak to the man himself, Antonin Panenka, um, who did, did this back in 76 in the European Championship final against Germany. And he says to you that he kind of did it because he'd seen Sepp Meyer make his move. And I wonder if all players who take Panenka's go in saying, I won't just react to what the goalkeeper does so I know he's not going to be in the middle of the goal. Or I say, well, that's what I'm going to take on my... I know what I'm going to do. And whatever happens, uh, that's where it's going. It's, it, I mean, ideally, from the man himself, the man that coined the phrase Panenka, you should wait until you see what the keeper's doing before you make up your mind. Well, that is the ideal, isn't it, Paul? But let's not forget that Panenka spent two years trying to perfect this technique because he realised that goalkeepers back then felt there were only two options to go, either left or right, and very rarely did they stay in the middle. Now it's more common, so goalkeepers do sometimes stay in the middle, and often you see them waiting as long as possible, as late as possible, before they dive. So I think in this case, while Aguero has been slated, Edward Mendy deserves some credit for not committing himself to a full dive, because if he does go to ground early, he's not going to get it. The other thing that I find really interesting about this particular penalty is that a missed Penenka really does wind people up, doesn't it? People it does. Very upset, yeah, yeah. Uh, as yeah. they did when uh, Adamola Lutman missed a penalty for, for Fulham against West Ham earlier this season. And there's this sense that the striker is always trying to humiliate the goalkeeper. In fact, I read in a match report yesterday, Aguero was trying to humiliate the goalkeeper. I don't think he was trying to humiliate the goalkeeper. He was just trying to score, and he didn't execute it well enough. But there's nothing like a missed Penenka to get everyone wound up. Mm. In, in your book as well, there's a bit from Petr Cech, isn't there, which is quite interesting, isn't it, about why Penenka's work. Well, that's right. I mean, Petr Cech dived the right way six times out of six in the 2012 Champions League final, which Chelsea, as you will know, Andy, beat Bayern Munich. But... Mm. What he said was very interesting is that goalkeepers don't like to stay in the middle because it looks to the fans like they're not trying. And this is called inaction bias. So there are three options for the goalkeeper to to decide on where they think the ball is going to go, left, right or middle. But most goalkeepers will only take two of those because the middle choice looks like it's not a choice. It looks like they're not doing anything. But for Czech, it, it, was, it was a choice. And, uh, you know, in that particular game, he, he got every decision right. What was wrong with the Aguero Panenka as someone who's looked at a lot of Panenkas? Was it any worse than anybody else's except, um, you know, the, it didn't go in. It looked worse, as we said, because um, yeah, the keeper I mean, saved well, it. Yeah, the main, the main problem is it didn't go in. I think it's slower. his, his run-up was probably a little bit slow. Um, Anthony Panenka himself always says, got to have a very fast run-up. Uh, because that 
makes the goalkeeper think you're going to aim for a corner, essentially, and it also forces him to commit to diving a lot earlier. So I think we can say the run-up wasn't great. Obviously, the execution was poor. Um, and, you know, once you combine those two, you're, you're, you're always going to be struggling. But, you know, some Penenkas are not well struck and still go in. Depends on the goalkeeper as well. Also in your book, you talk about the psychological effects of a well-timed Penenka, which actually I hadn't thought of before, really. Yeah, well, I, I have a theory that in a penalty shootout, and it's hugely risky to try one in a shootout, but I think the value of scored Penenka is slightly more than one goal. I'll, go, I'll, I'll say it's worth 1.1 goals. And the reason for that is purely anecdotal. It's just my opinion. But when you think back to, well, two shootouts that happened in Euro 2012, the first one, England versus Italy, the shootout that inspired me to, to write 12 yards, because after that defeat to Italy, Roy Hodgson said, oh, penalties are just a lottery. And I was like, no, they're not. Let me see. And then obviously I wasted, <laughs> I not, not wasted, I spent two years of my life uh, discovering that he was in fact wrong. But Andre Pilo <laughs> took the Penenka in that penalty. And at the time he took it, Italy were behind in the shootout. Um, and then he scored and the player kicking after, directly after Pilo was Ashley Young. And he missed the penalty. So I think score, tr- taking a penalty after a scored Penenko in a shootout is really hard. And that happened in the, the match the following day as well. Sergio Ramos scored a Penenka for, for Spain and Bruno Alves stepped up for Portugal and missed the next penalty. It is seriously punchy to try a Penenka in a shootout because you think of the grief that Sergio Aguero is getting now. Imagine that in a shootout. I wonder if you'd ever have a player whose stock in trade was the Penenka. It's like the Kane penalty. You know what Kane's going to do? He's going to do that little shuffle. He's going to try and hit it into that bit of the corner of the net. Very, he normally hits him low and hard. He's got a star, but occasionally he'll put one down the middle. Occasionally he'll go the other side. But if a player just said, you know, most of the time I come at you, I'm going to hit a Penenka. Or am I? But, you know, that's, yeah. a, that, that's your main pen. I don't think you're ever yeah, going to see are. that, are you? No, there are some players who've done that. In wow. fact, the one I think of is Sebastian Abreu. You might remember him from, from Uruguay hmm. uh, in the 2010 World Cup. He scored a penalty against Ghana in that very dramatic game. Uh, yeah. In the shootout, in fact, the one that Suarez was sent off in. And, and he scored over 20 penencas in his career. <laughs> and as he stepped up to take that, and this was like in the early stages of my research, I thought, I know what he's going to do here. But no one else seemed to know. So apart from everyone in Uruguay who, who was onto it. So I, I don't think you'd be able to get away with it now in today's data-driven world of, of social media and, and sharing penalties around. But, uh, you know, as recently as 10 years ago, there was a guy who was scoring Penenkas for fun. And such is the abuse so finally, Ben. You do wonder if this is going to put other players off. You know, you mentioned uh, the stick that Adamola Lookman got and we've got Sergio Aguero apologising. Do you think we'll see less of them? I hope not. I mean, they're really good fun, aren't they? I mean, we, we, all, we all love a Penenka, but um, I think it would take uh, a serious player who really trusts in his technique. And if he's watching goalkeepers and assessing what their movements are, you know, it, it takes a brave player to take one and, and a talented one to score one. Good stuff. Good to talk to you, Ben. Thanks very much. Thank you. Uh, ben Littleton there. Um, I think he still does a regular penalties blog. You should go and check it out. His book, 12 Yards, is brilliant. So much good stuff in there. If you, mm-hmm. if you're, even if you're not into pens, there's plenty to uh, enjoy. Remember when we did the Phoenix from the Flames with Penenka? He came over, didn't he? 
I looked at that, you know, I looked to find, try and find it because I couldn't remember, not surprising being yeah. either, I couldn't remember doing it. Uh, I couldn't find it online. So do you, yeah, you think it was we did? With I had e- a feeling we did. Evo Victor. Um, yeah, I remember, that, I remember well. that one really I, I well. Palenka yeah. came over with him. I'm fairly certain. We were in a field yeah. somewhere. I don't know if it was Hendon. Oh, no, yeah. But we are in a field somewhere and, <laughs> and Neil Sullivan was in goal. Yeah, um, I remember that, but that was for the Evo Victor one. That was for the Evo Victor one, but yeah, it was a fairly bizarre yeah. day, but you know, yeah. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. The Talk Sport Clips of the Week. Well, kind of. Um, These are these old, long-lost, dusty mini-discs that appeared a while back and it's just a random selection so they're not the gold they're not they're not curated they are warts and all as they went out in July 2010 mm. this was around the South Africa World Cup for familiar voices uh, in there to bring you and uh, Andy do you want to kick us off yeah we begin with a caller looking back on England v Germany after the now infamous World Cup quarter final if you look at the German lineup and you look at the England team Glenn Johnson, Wade Rooney, Gary Barry. I used to love Wade Rooney and Gary Barry. <laughs> Wade, Wade Rooney and Gary Barry. <laughs> Two fine players. <laughs> uh, now, this is our much-loved and sadly missed former cricket correspondent, Jack Bannister, with news of some uh, unusual medical treatment. The sad sight is that uh, Rahim, who took this very nasty blow of just above the left eye through the helmet, has been taken to hospital, strapped to a, an ambulance... That sounds quite dangerous. <laughs> yeah, really. I'd really a stretcher would be better. on the top better. or on the side? I, well, I, don't, I, I think he'd be on the top. That would be slightly less dangerous unless you went under a sort of low bridge or something. 
This is racing commentator Derek Thompson talking about some upcoming racing in the Middle East. We've got the Dubai Festival here in a couple of weeks' time. So they're getting the school children involved, which is a wonderful idea. They're getting them to paint life-size camels, which they'll put all over Newbury. Oh, the obvious the obvious <laughs> thing, isn't it? We've got a big race coming up. Let's do some life-size camels all over Newbury. Um, here's Mike Parry uh, reading out a text. OK, here's one here from somebody who's sensible, and it's, uh, it's uh, Rubinho in Plymouth. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe he was like Neil Warnock. Maybe he was living down there, but commuting up to uh, Manchester. Yeah. Sticking with Mr. Parry, here he is looking ahead to the World Cup final as the Netherlands took on Spain in the way that only he can. I sure a mouse where on the stairs, where on the stairs, right there. Have you got mad a little man, no, a little mouse with clogs on, the lady class, singing clip cloppity clop. Now, the point I'm making is this. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to preview a World <laughs> Cup final. They should have got him on match of the day. Um, yeah. This is Jason Cundy, uh, also talking about that game, suffering for a bit of irritable vowel syndrome. We've got a little bit of a vote going on here. Head-to-head, Iniesta or Xavi. I can uh, tell you that Iniesta is winning by 59 Voits. 59 Voits. John Voits. <laughs> <laughs> it's your Voits that count. Get out of here. Mark Saggers now, building up to the big match over in South Africa. We're absolutely uh, under no illusions as to what it's all about now. It's an FA Cup final between uh, Holland and Spain. Times were different then. They could enter our (laughs) FA Cup. Ask your mum and dad kids. Uh, They used to often have Holland versus Spain in the FA Cup. Back to Mike Parry, talking domestic football this time. Some of those City fans are doing it because they think they've been promised that the team will change from, you know, a a sow's purse into a pig's ear. (laughs) That old phrase, the sow's purse into a pig's ear. That's not right, is it? And uh, over to golf now. And Bob Bupka reporting on the Open. Open Championship Talk Sport. Thank you very much indeed, Bob. That was uh, Bob Gubber. Bob Gupta. I don't think it's Bob Gupta. Uh, this is um, Alan Brazil, and he's talking about Spurs. You know, it's exciting times down at the lane at the moment. There's no doubt about it. Tottenham have got to get, they've got to get off to a good start. Yep. Um, so I'm dry. Not sure you are, Al, to be honest. <laughs> Not sure you are, Dry. His voice is about three sounds, octaves higher, sounds, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. much younger, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Jason Candy again, talking about that old chestnut, the winter break. On the back of Sir Alex Ferguson attacking the FA over the failure to implement a winter break. I don't think a winter break would work, for the reasons I'm about to give. One, when do you have the winter break? Well, I don't know. Um, <laughs> June? Yeah, that's it. That's, that sounds like a good idea. Well, you knew what he meant. Come on, being pedantic. Let's cross to Nigel Botherway on uh, Fisherman's Blues now. The point is location, 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 as my mate Trev West always says. Kirsty and Phil may be suing. <laughs> I think they probably got there first. Really. And finally, it's Mr. Good on the, And finally, it's Mr. Parry getting himself in a complete state as he introduces a caller. Let's talk to uh, one of our lady callers first, Julie in Bedford. Uh, no, Julie R. No, it's Julie. Julie in Bedford. Uh, good morning to you. Good afternoon, Jim. <laughs> it's going ever so well, isn't it? Fantastic, seamless. Um, we haven't heard those for about eleven years, so no, forgive exactly. the laughter. I hope you enjoyed those. Anyway, we'll have some more clips of the week. Pewter, stay uncurated. Bit of gold in there. Some, you know, some pretty 
bog standard stuff, but that's how they appeared back in the day during 2010. Just a little dip into the archives. We'll have a fresh batch for you on Friday. If you do hear a clip, you think we'll work on clips of the week before Friday, get it into us, talksport.com forward slash H&J, text at 81089. And, uh, yeah, uh, we will uh, give us a down of time, and if it's played, you'll get a credit. So, uh, Andy, anything else you want to share yes. with the class today? Yes, going back to uh, the game yesterday, the Everton-West Ham game, I know you didn't see Steve Holland in his inadvertent V sign, but did you catch <laughs> Declan Rice uh, re wearing reading glasses, uh, looking mm. at his phone with sort of... And I couldn't decide whether they were reading glasses or those blue light glasses. Do you know, do you know those things that oh, you yeah, wear? Yeah. You're supposed to read when you're looking <laughs> at too much screen. I bought a sewer bear. She absolutely hates them, but I make her wear them at night. Really? There are other ones, yeah. You, is, um, she is sleeping better though. Honestly. Is, is Declan a glasses wearer? Does he wear the lenses? Well, I don't or, know. Or is That's it just the thing. Maybe in, I, I know he listens tell, to really. the station. Maybe he can clear it up for us. Mm. Um, so, um, anything else? Yes, I've got some lovely column fodder. It's only a short one. Yes. Right, this is the bit where I, I find something that is just so pointless and absolutely no point writing it. This is about the photo. Uh, I think there's something really sad about this picture of little Archie Mountbatten Windsor on his second birthday. It's the fact that he's standing all alone with his back to the camera in a colourless, isolated landscape. It's a black and white photo. Where's the fun? Where are his cousins? Where's Colin the Caterpillar? I don't know. He doesn't just stand there all day, does he? That's the, he probably has got. <laughs> a call in the caterpillar. Don't worry about it. Where's Granny and Grandpa with their piles of presents and whiskery kisses? What, Camilla? It's not very nice, is it? <laughs> they even managed to make the bunch of balloons he's holding seem utterly joyless. No, they're a bunch of balloons. Uh, poor little chap. Honestly, these people. I suppose they've got to write something. Yes, indeed. Yeah, it puts the uh, it puts you under a bit of pressure. Um, somebody is keeping a very close eye on what the Rooneys are doing to their new house. We brought you, <laughs> yeah. we brought you news last <laughs> week of um, the the cigar and whiskey room that Wayne is having built, apparently in their new <laughs> yeah. twenty million pound house. Well, someone has got the exclusive because we got two stories about them uh, this week. You may see them, Andy, on your trip because they've booked a seaside <laughs> holiday to Wales. <laughs> yeah, they have. So maybe you'll be. Maybe... Mine, mine isn't five grand a week though. Oh, okay, fair enough. But uh, you know, you might you might run into them. I think they're mm. they're, at, they're going to Abbasock, Apparently, that's yeah, five grand a week, and mm. and I think cheaper accommodation is available in Abbasock if if you are thinking they're going there. And news, yeah, they're spending half a million pound on the new kitchen. Um, they hope to make it the kind of main entertainment space in their new house. So, so yeah, just, kitchen. That's like someone, most people. Someone yeah. follows them around from sort of kitchen <laughs> store to kitchen store and finds out what they're up to. I mean, get, yeah, get, but somebody from the kitchen store has told one of their mates and said, "Oh, the Rooney's." And you should have seen where they spent, you know, 500 grand. You know, and then somebody tells somebody that's how it gets. Is that how it works, is it? Oh, I think so. Yeah. Thanks for the insight. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There's a nice story from the world of uh, golf with a bit of a Field of Dreams vibe. Chris Powell uh, is from uh, Powers in Mid Wales and uh, has spent time in lockdown unearthing. Uh, a long-lost uh, golf course, which was uh, designed by the man that also designed um, Augusta, home of the Masters. That's a fantastic story, and uh, Chris joins us now. Hi, Chris. Hi there. So, yeah, it's, it's a lovely tale. This, I mean, had you always known it was there? Is it kind of well known in the area that there, somewhere amongst all the bracken and stuff, there is a there is a golf course there? Yeah, it's always known locally as the old golf links, so everybody knew it was there, and it's uh, been played by a few people over the years, but it has um, got to a stage of being very overgrown. 
So how have you got involved and how do you hope to restore it? Um, it just started really because I couldn't go up to my usual local club uh, during lockdown. So I decided to go up and just hit a few balls up there. And then I was a little bit inquisitive and thought, I wonder where all the old greens and all the old tees were and started looking. And then I found a website that actually had a course map. So I found a few using that. And then um, somebody who used to play it quite a bit, he came up and showed me a few more and eventually found them all. Wow. How much work has it been to get it playable again, Chris? Uh, quite a bit, really. My <laughs> best friend did tell me I'd actually lost my mind last summer. <laughs> <laughs> I bought myself a little ride-on mower. and uh, it, It's not the grass so much because the grass is all eaten by the sheep, so it's all the old bracken that dies off mm. and just c- covers the course. So I was trying to clear that. was the biggest job. How far did you have to ride the ride on mower to get to get up to that point? Uh, well, I took it up by trailer with, mm. with my car, so um, it wasn't far to ride it, but it's just up and down, up and down, so I've had to clear literally acres to get it playable. There were, there were two holes in particular that really weren't playable at all. There was nowhere to land your ball off the tee, it was just a big sea of bracken, mm. so that was the biggest job. Presumably there used to be a clubhouse. Uh, is there one now or is there anything, any sort of building there? I don't think there ever has been a clubhouse, actually. There's, there's a little farmhouse down the bottom of the course that um, the players used to go in for tea and cakes and that sort of thing, and which is still there now. Um, but I don't think there's ever been an official clubhouse. Why, why was it allowed to sort of get into this state? As we said, 1920s, it was designed by Dr. Alistair McKenzie. They called him the course architect, didn't they? And he, uh, he was he had he a, uh, at Augusta. So he always had a, a great, and Pebble Beach as well. He had a fantastic reputation. So you'd think this is something that they would want to maintain and cherish, you would think. I think I, I live in quite a rural area and... Um, is, was already in another few clubs in the area. I just think there wasn't really a, a big enough population to keep them all all going. I know if you read the notes, there was only sort of 35 or 40 members in it, which probably wasn't enough to keep it up. Why Why did he build one there? I suppose that begs the question, doesn't it, Chris? It certainly does. Yeah, that's something that nobody's been able to answer me at all because he was very expensive in his day and I think he used to charge him like 10 or 15 pound a day which was huge wow. money in the 1920s mm. uh, I, I wonder if he was a friend of a friend and did his part favour or something I, I don't know that's something I've never got an answer to you didn't find any azaleas growing wild or anything like that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a few rhododendrons in the area, but not up there. Wow. <laughs> and through your efforts, have more people got involved? Have the local authority got involved? I mean, is this, has this taken on a sort of life of its own? Um, no, I wouldn't say that, but uh, I am planning on having a, a one-off game to raise money for the NHS. It was supposed to be last Saturday, and I've been... Planned it for about a year to play last Saturday, and then the weather was just absolutely atrocious, and I had to cancel it. So um, it's now going to be this Friday evening, and um, got uh, hopefully about 25 or 30 people coming up to play in it, just have a bit of fun and raise a bit of money for NHS or Air Ambulance. Oh, nice touch. Have you uh, have you heard from Ian Woosnam? Because he's from around that way, isn't he? <laughs> um, he's from Wales, but Wales 
he's a little bit bigger than that. Um, he's from <laughs> North Wales. No. I think he's, oh, right. okay. he's from, from Oswestry, Street, about 60 miles from us. And so, I mean, beyond this, beyond the game and the charity game for the NHS, what, you got any other plans? You're going to sort of continue sort of nurturing it and see if you can get some more interest? Or is, is this kind of the end of the project from your point of view? Um, I don't think it's realistic or viable to think that I can maintain it to play all the way through the summer because all the dead bracken I've cleared away makes it very playable now. But within two or three weeks, all that bracken will have grown back up again and it'll be totally unplayable again. So I, I don't think it's realistic to keep it going all year round. But I, I would like to maybe make it a, an annual event and play something similar to this with a charity once a year. Yeah, lovely idea. Uh, look, well done, Chris. As I'm sure it, it kind of kept you busy at a tough time, so it had a bit of therapeutic um, sort of um, reason for you as well, not just a course. But a lovely story. Thanks for joining us. I'm about to go up there now and have another nine holes. Go on then. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Still time before it gets dark. There we are. Uh, Chris Powell there who's unearthed uh, that nine-hole course with uh, Good historic I was, connections. I was going to ask him about inviting Kieran Bracken, but I thought I'd better not have to no, be it just, no, I wouldn't. I, I, don't think, I, I don't think there was any point. He, like, he, he laughed at some of your azalea material. I think he was up he for a laugh, have, Chris. Oh, he, he might, was. Yeah. He might have fallen off his chair if you'd go down the old Kieran Bracken. Maybe... Maybe he follows Welsh rugby and not English rugby, I don't know. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. And he's booked a holiday, and he won't tell me where it is. He said, I'll tell you on air. So he obviously wants Well, to... that's because it's, it's the first time ever. It's a sun holiday. <laughs> well, not exactly a sun holiday. Oh, you not can... The, not the nine quid. No, I saw a thing <laughs> in the sun on Saturday for a hotel in Wales. Oh. And uh, I've, ne- I've never... It looked like a lovely place. Wow. So on the spur of the moment... I, said, I thought you were going in a £2.50 caravan. I just, I've always <laughs> wanted to make a documentary about that. You're on a caravan site. I think it would be fantastic it's, channel for the fodder. Pembrokeshire coast. Beautiful. In a lovely area, yeah. Beautiful. So, the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. So the Roonies, um, apparently in the preparation um, for the uh, big game at the weekend, Wayne, Wayne prepared himself as he did for the 2008 Champions League final by watching films. In that case, he sat in his hotel room watching Sister Act. And the, the Sun tell us today that apparently he spent um, Friday night before the game watching one of his favourite films, uh, his top three of all time, Sister Act 2. I wonder, I wonder if Pete Bradshaw and Mark Kermode and others have Sister Act 2 in their top three films of all time. Be quite unlikely. It does seem quite unlikely. But look, you know... You, what are you going to do? If you enjoy the film, you enjoy the film. Yeah, he uh, likes it. That's I think he also watched fine, Saving Private Ryan and Man on Fire. So uh, there we are. I see the Royal Mail are trialling drone deliveries from the UK mainland. And I was just yeah. wondering if the drone operators wear shorts. Yeah. <laughs> the idea of having anything being delivered by drone. That story a while ago about Indian restaurants. Um, there was some place they were thinking mm. of delivering by drone. That's not great. You don't want the full chicken <laughs> Danzac landing on you from about 60 foot in the air. It wouldn't be great, would it? You think, Ian blimey. Danzac. What? <laughs> you think, what kind of bird was that? That would be terrible, wouldn't it? Oh, it's still warm. No, it anyway. would, wouldn't be. <laughs> not great. No, not good, no. Um, so, uh, you, did you tell us fully about your holiday? You booked a holiday through the Sun newspaper. You saw <laughs> a recommendation, enough. Andy, and then yeah, and then you I were quite it. taken by it. So, what, what, yeah. what is it? What sort of holiday is this? Is it? Well, um, it's a sort of 
Uh, we've got a night in Swansea. <laughs> you got a night in Swansea? I've never been. I wanted to go to Swansea. I've never been to Swansea. You know, that that's nice, admission? Swansea. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it looks nice. Yeah, I thought it looked quite nice. They've got a beach. They have got a I beach. Thought, you know, go and go down. I, didn't fa- I just didn't fancy going abroad, and I thought, you know, the Welsh coast does look yeah. really lovely. A bit so, of fish yeah. and chips in Mumbles. You can wander down there. Can't yeah, you? Swansea's why not? all right. Yeah. yeah, nice. Long old drive. Yeah. I always think Ian Abraham should come from Mumbles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he does. So, no, so you've got a night in Swansea, and then what happens after that? Does it get then, more yeah, exotic? It's about 130 not? miles yeah, to St David's is the oh, area. Yeah. Nice part yeah, of the world, not? Andy. Fantastic. Yeah, staycation. I, I don't know about you. I just don't fancy going abroad this year. I think not, I'll leave not it for quite, another year. Not quite yet. See how things settle down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, anyway, uh, yeah. there we are. That's Andy's holiday plans post-Euros. Well, thank you. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. We'll do it all again tomorrow. Andy is back on Thursday for the birthday spread with Jeff Peters. Max Rushton will be alongside me tomorrow from one. If you can join us, great. If not, you can catch the podcast. That will be available at around five. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.